Episode 22, Latin alt-rocker Maria del Pilar. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the fantastic library bar in the spectacular Mayfair Hotel right here in downtown L.A. Tonight, I'm meeting the Latin chart-topping musician Maria del Pilar. We arrive at opposite ends of the Art Deco bar. Her brunette hair falls straight from under a matching brown felt hat and onto a black tank top that complements her athletic figure. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My guest tonight is a force in the L.A. rock scene and is here to promote her latest album, Songs and Canciones Dos. Equal parts pop lover and punk rocker Maria del Pilar mixes her DIY riot girl roots and penchant for bilingual lyrics to create melodic sweet and tough-as-nails pop anthems that rock. Her lead single from Songs and Canciones 1, and El Dance Floor, skyrocketed to the top of the Mexican radio charts and led to a stellar performance at the notorious Vive Latino. Songs y Canciones 2 was produced by the duo known as Poolside and features a host of talented LA musicians including members of Fits in the Tantrums, No Doubt, Las Cafeteras, and Chicano Batman. Pilar talks about her immigrant experience, her education at CalArts, the LA music scene, and her recent cameo as herself in the buzzed about star show Vida. Please welcome Maria del Pilar. Can <laughs> I happen? Okay, so we are rolling. Great. So, welcome Maria del Pilar. Hola. <laughs> Hola. Muy bien dicho. Very well pronounced. <laughs> so excited to meet you and to Likewise. hear your story. Thanks. And so I want to start at the start. You're Chilean? Yes, born in Chile, but raised uh, in three different parts of the world, both Chile, Puerto Rico, and L.A. So what happened, so this is my life up until the age of 11, is going be, is going back and forth between Chile, Puerto Rico, L.A. for and different... The, and the, different the Puerto Rican part is because you, one of your parents is... No, both my parents are Chileno. Oh. The thing is that we went to Puerto Rico. That was the first place they wanted to go immig- uh, leave to immigrate to to the United States because Puerto mm. Rico yeah. is a U.S. territory. Right, right, right. You know, even though Trump doesn't want you to believe that. So that's where they went to first. And then um, that's where my mom uh, luckily got how long did pre- you stay there? Oh, that was so. My mom got pregnant there with my sister, and if it wasn't for my mom being pregnant, we would have been kicked out, and and, sure. and we would have been um, kicked out of the states and have to go back to Chile and like wait a really long time to immigrate. But luckily, like the laws were like a little more lenient back then. It's right. not like it is now. So well, you and your career make a great case for why <laughs> you should allow more Thank immigrants. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> no, I believe... I, no, it's I true. Hope, I so, hope that this is... Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole point. Is 
I really do hope that that's what it does. And um, anyhow, and then unfortunately at 11, I'm in a car accident where my both my mom and my sister um, pass away, and I'm the only survivor. Oh no! And then my life there changes drastically and you're only 11 <clears throat> yeah oh, gosh yeah crazy. so but your dad is a survivor as well my dad was because my parents at that point were separated and then my life changed drastically all of a sudden you know this is my dad's a single dad i'm you know a, also in los angeles though mm-hmm. then this was okay. la yeah in the valley san Fernando valley and um, and my dad and I hadn't lived together for a long time, mm-hmm. so it was also like getting used to living together again. Yeah, with a dude, right? Just yeah, and also there was there's this moment like now that I'm older, I can understand it. But when I was a kid, yeah. So my father was not in a place to really, you know be there for me emotionally yeah you well know? he's yeah struggling t- struggling himself right yeah so well, but that is his role at the same time right so it was it was really tough it was it was, it was really tough and you know everybody deals, so who, deals who, with it different ways so who gave you the instruments at this time Are myself you, you, how did oh you, you mean like my music instruments mm-hmm. okay so that goes all the way back to my parents because my parents were met doing music in Chile. My mom focused on Chilean folkloric music. My father was doing all the pop stuff at that time, like Los Angeles Negros and all that sort of like late late 60s, early 70s music from Latin America. And my mom was focusing on folkloric music and like Violeta Parra and uh, Cuecas and the dances and all of that. They met in that whole scene. And then, so for me, ever since I was... Santiago. In Chile, uh huh. Nice. And then ever, and then when we when we were in Puerto Rico, my my mom started a Chilean mm-hmm. folklore group and right. like was in that world and was with the all the uh, Puerto Rican music. Okay, so you didn't find music <clears throat> regardless of your parents. They imbued you. With oh, that, it uh, was huge. And and the thing, the beauty of of course, my mom being an educator and also being a musician, what was the beauty of it was that she saw from a really early age that I was a musician. Like when I was like three, four, I remember my mom just, you know, giving me a guido or giving me, <laughs> you know, rhythm sticks yeah, yeah. or some or the maracas, right? And then just being like, okay, Pilar, we're having rehearsal. Oh, we're, cute. I just sit here and do study beat. Right. And learn steady beat and just play the steady beat and sing along. Okay. <laughs> and I would do that. I have pictures that are like just wow. beautiful. And so that's how I got into music. And my mom. So did that help you through sing. this time when you were 11? Or, or now how old are you? When no, you sing? no I, I will. When you're struggling with your dad. Yeah, I was up from 11 on, like, oh, okay. my whole, all my teenage years, oh, you yeah, know. Right. And so, yeah, because it was like, not only was I 11, but it was like, I was becoming a woman right, in terms yeah, of like, and what sure. I mean by that is like, I had to have an aunt tell me like what to do about a period. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my mom there yeah. to tell me what that yeah. was like, you know, stuff like that. Or I had girlfriends that helped me with that. And I was very much on my own. Luckily, my father, of course, provided in terms of the roof over my head and making sure there was food. But 
the emotional part was really it was really hard. So what I so you're in Van Nuys at this time. Yeah. So where did you go to high school? Um, I went to Grant High in Van Nuys, mm-hmm. and then um, that's where I started. That's where I found. Actually, in junior high is where I found, and even before that is, is where I found. Just like, oh my God rock bands and punk bands <laughs> and I was like yeah Hollywood we would we were kids we were 14 year olds yeah. you know this is 80s so it's like 14 year olds <laughs> taking the bus from Van Nuys to Hollywood I mean of course I'd tell my dad I was sleeping over some girlfriend's house oh. but what we were doing is like we wanted to be out in the world and I mean sure. and experience it and go see these like cool punk bands and these like all ages places or like right, or right. and also just spots that were like not you know the gorilla style mm-hmm. you know like they're you know so um where was your go-to place did you go to the rodney bingham or? i don't i don't know about that i don't know about that oh wait a minute yeah the k-rock guy yeah no no of course of course uh rodney on the rock yeah. Uh, he had a did he have a club or a yeah. night or something yeah, like that? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. We never went to that. Um, but anyhow, so at that point, you know, I just was on my own and I just had to a grow up by myself, take care of myself. I just saw that I was going to have to just become resourceful and just, you know, just handle it and and that's what I think I loved about the punk rock scene and being in the Hollywood you know just being a fan and an audience member of the music scene in Hollywood late 80s early 90s it's like this DIY ethos and just this you know just like people doing it themselves and like just taking the raw talent and and that's when I was like "Ah, I can do this too you know like I have a knack for music I can write songs like I can do this too like I don't have to be you know uh, uh, classically trained and even though I did take piano class and guitar class and all this stuff and but all of that kind of ended after my mom died Mm. then I was kind of on my own so right and so when did you start writing songs in earnest and you you were part of like so how does the Latin, well you're still feeling very Latin, right? Well yeah, because, so here's the thing that was the beauty of my parents too. So when my mom was still around. Um, well you got the Fukunoriko part, you're saying. Yeah, so when, what would, would happen is that my parents would work their asses off all year long to make sure that me and my sister had plane tickets to go to Chile because Chile is not cheap to go yeah, to. It's right. very expensive. It's a long ways away. Mm-hmm. And so that we could spend our summers in Chile, mm-hmm. living with our grandparents, living in the culture, continuing to take in the music, the, the our family, the roots, everything, the rituals, everything. And so, you know, luckily my dad was very attuned to that. And also my grandparents, for my grandparents, it was very important because I was the only thing left that reminded them of their daughter, mm. you know, that right. had passed yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for them, it was really important to keep 
ties with me so and for me with them because for them they were like my rock they were the stability that i needed and how often were you able to get like you do summers it would be the summers or every other summer Mm -hmm. depending and so as a teen then so then when i started going when i was a teenager it was like oh i'm gonna buy because it was cassettes right at that time (laughs) and like it was like los prisioneros cassette you know and it was like (laughs) it was music it was like the chilean version of the clash right so the clash is talking about uk politics and politics in europe and also us and los prisioneros was talking about politics in chile and you know and i love that i just instantly just got attached to that music and would bring it back to all my friends in the valley and i'd be like you guys this is the coolest stuff ever and they just i'd have maybe a few people that would like hang on with me about it you know is the sound the same like it was all all right right or what would yeah it's it's like it's what people call Latin alternative, you know, it's the beginnings of Latin, of what people call Latin alternative. And so I was already such a champion of Latin alternative even back then. Uh-huh. So, and then I saw that there was a whole scene and there was a whole, like, there was all these other bands that were doing this thing of... Here in Los Angeles. No, this was all oh, like Chile. south of the border, from Mexico oh, okay. down, that all okay. these bands were doing what we called rock en español. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, wow, so now I can write, I can do songs in Espanol, you know, like, or I can have, like, have these influences, and like, so there's that, and then mixed in with me going to all these, like, cool, like, rock shows and punk shows in L.A., so, of course, like, my first musical project, which ended up being Los Abandoned, was going to be this mix of that, which is, right. is, which is essentially what people always say. It's like, oh, yeah, it's totally exactly that. Like, you know, you're the, these <laughs> right. mixes. Right, yeah, the perfect mix. Sure. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. There's, wow, there's that. And yeah. so, and that was the, the Los Abandoned mm-hmm. was when, like mid 90s or something? No, that was 2000s oh, in the aughts. Okay. Yeah, because then, so then 96 rolls around and I start CalArts. Mm. I had, I, I was, my dad didn't have money for me to go to college, so I had to figure it out on my own. So it took me a couple of years after graduating high school to to um i really wanted to go to cal arts i already knew i wanted to go to cal arts when i was in high school mm-hmm. there was a dance teacher at my high school she was the one of the only ones and i remember she would always be like pilar you're an artist you're an artist like you choreograph all these cool things and you think of music in a different way and like all this stuff and i was like i am <laughs> I'm just like I'm just right. trying to survive at this point I was just trying to survive right. I was just trying to survive high school survive you know this is why I don't understand why teachers are so underpaid but anyway go on I, I that's know. a I whole other podcast yeah, I, I Michael know, I, I know, because I, know. I, I yeah, yeah I know I that's mean, a whole other can, one everyone who's listening can name a teacher who was incredibly important yeah all right all right, all right. so okay. I, I'm sorry so, so you're yeah. at CalArts. You so then up, how I, did you get into CalArts? I got, like, I just, I had, I got loans. I just, right. you know, I got loans and then I just like, I got some scholarships. I just, again, kind of just made it happen because mm-hmm. I wanted it so bad. 
And you went in for and the music Music. Program. I went right. into okay. music and I focused on voice because for me, I felt like that was the strongest thing I could learn. Especially I was, after I had gone there to visit and after I had seen what they could, what their focus was, I was like, oh, this school teaches you how to find your unique voice. This isn't about like technicality. Of course, they taught me all kinds of you know, beautiful things on like how to create different sounds with your voice, which was so fun. But it was what I mainly went there for animation. They want you to do voiceover. I know, pretty much. (laughs) But which is great because now I've Uh, gotten to write music. The Disney rears its head again. Well, yeah, yeah, but which is cool because I have gotten into that animation world now and written music and theme songs and songs. Oh yes, I didn't ask you about that. The Nickelodeon thing. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, even like ten years ago, I was working with uh, Jorge Gutierrez, who did Mm. Book of Life, working on pilots with him, writing theme songs you know and so which because we went to CalArts together so um, but that's what I wanted I wanted to I was like I know I have a unique voice I need to figure out how to do that so I just submerged myself in CalArts for four years living up in Valencia on the I actually station in Valencia yep, yeah and this is so this is late 90s Graduated in 2000. I created the prototype of what Los Abandoned would be because I was like halfway through I was like, okay It's gonna be a Latin alternative band This is what I'm gonna do. I mean, it's gonna be a Latin alternative band. It's gonna be half Spanish half English Spanglish Spanglish, It's gonna be all these mix of genres Because it's like Café Tacuba was a huge influence for me and then um, and then I was doing all this world music at CalArts too, and it, I was like, okay, it's, it's got to be a band. It, it's the only way this is going to work. So then I created the prototype at CalArts, my so third you, So and you drove singer. the band. They didn't like, oh, we need a singer. You put the band together. Yeah, I put the concept all together and then did a bunch of live shows with that band. It was called Pescadores Pescadores. <laughs> And it was, I dressed up as the Virgin Mary. Of course, very conceptual. I was going to CalArts. Yeah, really, and I'm yeah. a conceptual person. Oh, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's like my mom's side is the, the for my grandmother's side, is Italian. And they're all visual artists. So, and educators, but mostly visual artists. So I was like, oh, of course I have this That's conceptual yeah, side. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's opera. Yeah, and also that's the other thing I got to study at CalArts too, which was so fun. I got to do this like, weird operas, classical operas, mm-hmm. operas that we made up ourselves. I mean, it was so fun. And But anyhow, so I did this band, did a bunch of gigs around town, which was great. I had um, James King, who's now in Fits and Tantrums, who played on the new record. And then uh, I got to meet Gabriel McNair. He wasn't in the band, but he was Are these in all the Cal Arts alum? Yeah. So everybody and in that, the, uh, like <coughs> the Chicano Batman people are also? No, Cal no, Cal. no, but... Um, uh, we're referring to her so, new album and the people that right. were on it. I happen to know there were other people yes. than the Fits and the Tantrums people. Yeah. But and then who, Ryan Francesconi, who's Joanna Newsom's MD. So... It was great. I mean, I was like working with these really great musicians and I, you know, and they all understood it. They all got it, you know. Um, Okay, so then 
everyone graduates, it's year 2000, and the band breaks up. I wanted it to keep going. And then six months after we all graduate, it's what over. What broke the band up? We need the drama. This I is know, a right? I know, right? No, basically, it was like, I remember. Oh, just make something up. No, I know, right? <laughs> I know. Just make it up. Um, right, I know. Um, just, well, you're yeah, no, no, our, our, so everybody's going different Everybody's going different yeah, directions, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. That's that's at the end of the day, I think. I mean, that's what it was. And but that band had had a gig prior to graduation, where it was where it was a gig with another band called the Tijuana Bibles, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was like, and also it's a great name, though. That's yeah, so good, and that's where I met David Green, my co, my co-founder of Los Abandon and co-writer and just my partner in crime with all of that and so we had met and we were like oh my god our bands are so similar so alike like they were also doing mix of genres Spanglish Latin alternative mix was he doing the uh, The, theatrical part the theatrical no but he his band broke up my band broke up. We were both heartbroken about it. Let's start a new band. Let's. Why don't we start a, a project together? Because we were so similar. Mm-hmm. And that's the start of Los. And that's why we called it Los Abandoned because we had been quote abandoned by our previous bands. And so there you go. Like we're gonna play Los from Los Abandoned Van Eyes, the okay. quintessential Los Abandoned song. So we're gonna hear. Uh, from Los Abandon, this quintessential song that I feel really truly represents the band, which is Van Nuys, is very nice. And it, to me, it's the perfect song to represent the group because, first of all, it's a Spanglish song, and it's and it's a song about asking yourself, you know, all the questions that you have when you when you immigrate from another country to the U.S. And especially kind of like when you're someone that's immigrating from like let's say somewhere like just really beautiful like the Andes Mountains or you're close to Machu Picchu or some something just like you, you know you're immigrating from a place where maybe it's like the seven wonders of the world but you you want a better life or you're seeking a better life but you end up somewhere kind of like Van Nuys which is mostly cement and uh, yeah, so that's why I, I feel like it's the perfect song to represent the band. Because those All are right. the, yeah, those are well, the Well, let's give a listen. Yeah.
love that song. You don't sound very enthused. No, I love it. I love that song. So fast forward to yes. Uh, now this is the second rendition of because it's canciones. This dos. is the second part. Ah, yes, okay. because songs and canciones one. So what I decided to do is with the solo project is like, like albums for me have always been conceptual. Again, going back to that and my CalArts influence is, but my idea was I wanted to create albums that were like um, a series of books or a series of movies mm. where each album is a, like not a different chapter, but just like a different volume of, of the life of what, a, of what my solo project is, which is Maria del Pilar, which that's my birth name, but in a music form. Right. So, so there's an arc in each album then. Yeah. To, so to be a trilogy like they all are self-contained. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Exactly. And but in between the the song we heard and the story you just told, you had great success, right? Yeah, on like the charts in Latin America. Right? Yeah. So with uh, the first record there's a single from Song and Canciones 1, there's a single called En El Dance Floor. And again, this is going back, people who are listening, don't give up. When you know something in your gut is right, you keep pushing it, because I swear to God, that's what I did, is I kept sending this single to Reactor FM in Mexico City, because I knew it'd be like a perfect song for them to play and for for the Mexico fans, I think they, they'd really dig the song. And so um, at first I got an email back saying, this is too pop, we're not gonna play this. And then I'm like, ugh. And then and format, whoever was- Format-wise, for those who do not know, Reactor is mostly like Latin alternative. It's kind of like a KCRW, but maybe focuses more on the rock indie mm-hmm. stuff. And it's been there forever. I right. mean, it's a it's a it's a radio station you want to have your music played on. Um, and they're great. They were great supporters of Los Abandon, so and they wanted to support my new project. And so then. That music director actually exited, and a new one came around, and I sent them my music. And luckily, they were fans of the band, so they they listened to it, and they were like, "Okay, so it is a bit poppier that like more pop than we're used to." Mm-hmm. They're like, "But we want to play it because it's you, and we want to support you, and let's just see what happens." But that that um, email response was after I sent like five or six emails. Right. Well, well, that, well five, I was going to say, I think you going to say 50 or 60. So five or six. In my mind, years. they felt like that. <laughs> five or six. I don't know that that's not that bad. Okay. All right. But okay. But so, okay. Some persistence was required. You didn't yeah. take the first no. Right? I No. And also like I talked to like a manager down there that had you know, ends with the rector people, and he gave me like the direct email. Like I kind of, yeah, there's a reason why I finally got a response. You know, so and they played it, and then it just started getting requests, 
after request, after request, people calling in. Quiero la de la dance floor. Looking at the dance floor. Check it. And then I was like, I friggin' knew it. And it became like the summer hit of 2014. Okay, vamos a tocar el dance floor.
great. So based on this, I know. <laughs> based on the new album and working with the with the bands that we've talked about, mm-hmm. uh, the Tantrums, Chicano Batman, Chicano Batman, Cafeteras. Oh, like Cafeteras, mm-hmm. that. and uh, and then yeah, I think you said there was somebody from No Doubt, maybe. Yeah, Gabriel McNair. Okay. He's been like also another partner in crime in my music career. Right, and so. Those are all classic Los Angeles bands. I know, right? right? Yeah. And so uh, I think you're in a perfect spot to discuss the state of the music scene. Yeah. At least from your perspective. Yeah, where it is now. And also where it, like, kind of came from. Because it's it's really cool, like, you know, Marisol from Santa Cecilia and, like, the girls Mm. from Cafeteras. They always remind me, which is nice. They always remind me that the work I did with the band and also when I started my solo project I started playing at La Cita mm-hmm. under the night called Mucho Wednesdays it was the only Latin alternative night in town downtown this La is Cita. 2009 uh-huh, this is in 2009 2010 and I had suggested to the guys that were putting that night together it was, mo- it was just DJs at the time and I said you know you guys have a you have a stage yeah. you have a stage here there's so many bands that are up and coming that need a place. The Echo isn't really doing it as much anymore yeah. because they had they well, now had my band. Nation. Yeah, now it's different. Yeah, so and so I was like, have you thought about having like bands on for your weekly thing? And I was like, I'd be happy. I'll just be a guinea pig, you know. Like I need a place. Like I, and so all of a sudden it was great because. Um, it was nice to just kind of, they allowed me to do it, and then all of a sudden it was like, everybody wanted to play La Cita <laughs> for Mucho Wednesdays at that night. So I had like La Santa Cecilia open for me, Cafeteras open, these were, because they were all just starting out. Mm-hmm. And I remember also like Chicano Batman wanted to play, but for whatever reason they ended up not playing. But like, there was, yeah, because all these bands were up and coming at that time. Mm-hmm. So it's been great to now go back, you know, and think about that. Marisol and the girls' cafeteras is always reminding me how much I helped them or, you know, had kind of paved the way. Mm-hmm. And um, so that feels good. And so for me, I've just always wanted, I've always had my ear to the ground. I've always wanted to keep my ear to the ground. Like, I love knowing what's, happening what's new and in terms of like what I see now is a lot of what all a lot of us had already been envisioning for a while which is having the span having Spanglish be accepted so like back in the day even when I was doing my solo stuff it was like labels didn't not want you to mix languages Hmm. it was like and including the Latino labels like the Spanish, the Spanish-speaking yeah, labels. Yeah. Won't play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was like, well, you know, you have to choose either Spanish or English, and then we'd be like, well, we're not going to do that because that's not who we are. We mix, and so thank you very much. We're gonna right. just find who we can, and so then, um, and then luckily we found Neil Young's label that just took us the way we were, <laughs> and then that was a really huge help. Um, but so then now, little, but so can for you, can you talk a little bit about that part? Of it? I mean, I, sure. I, because I, you're the first musician on the podcast, and I don't. Oh, cool. Yeah, and um, you know, and it, it was funny because I had lunch today with 
the new creative director at Def Jam. Mm -hmm. And I asked her the same question, which was like, how does this work now? Because it's like, mm -hmm. don't you just have to be a troubadour now? You've got to hit the road. Like, yeah. how else do you make money, right? right. And she's like, no, no, streaming's crazy. Like, they're making a lot of money on streaming. I'm like, who's making money on streaming? Mm -hmm. Well, the labels. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's kind of what FYI, artists. <laughs> but I asked her, I said, well, aren't the artists also making money? She's, yeah, yeah. She's like, they're, well, mm -hmm. at least her, you know, on Def Jam, apparently they are. But there's different ways of streaming, too. It's like, you've got, like, uh, just for lack of a, for lack of a better word, You've got like the Anglo white artists where their their audience pays for their memberships to uh, streaming services. Uh -huh. You go south of the border, there's a huge digital divide. And so, you know, people can barely afford their cell phone. So right. whatever they're going to have, their apps are all free and their music services are gonna also be free. And you get like half the pay with the free, the people that listen to it for free. Mm. So that's the fucked up part for us artists, sure. especially in the Latin world, you know, because it should be where all of the streaming should be the same price. Right. We're providing a service already. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm still grateful to be able to have something like Spotify available because, or else I wouldn't, with a Dance Floor, I never would have gotten to over a million plays. Right. Or knowing that. Like, and that's how people then have kept that song going. And this new album, too, is just like, there's so many people, so many people's ears are on it. So it's just such a double edged sword. Mm -hmm. It's, you know. But anyhow, going back to the Spanglish and going back to the way things are now, there's an artist called Cuco who just signed a seven-figure deal with a major label, and he sings Spanglish. Nice. Which is awesome, but I also wish that that would have been us at the because our... <laughs> he started we, it. <laughs> yeah, our, 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 uh, we had like a five, uh, figure deal or what? No, what is it? No, what is it? Like one, two, three, four, <laughs> you know, so it's, um, there's some great stuff going on right now with music. So then there, then you have someone like Sancha, who was also on the Vida, uh, season two, you know, with me mm -hmm. and, her whole thing is also conceptual, which I love, you know, it's like she's performance art. So let's talk about that. So um, Vila is on Stars. Correct. The TV it's show. Its, yes, it's a television show and it's mm -hmm. in its second season now. Yes. Yep. Second season just came out in May. And again, another... And you are on the soundtrack. Soundtrack and also I'm in it, performing in, live. In the second season. Yeah, yes. in this new season. So, I, I, so do you have a recurring role, or you're in no, one of the episodes? I, I play myself. So in I do one of the episodes. Really, yeah, in, one of, okay. in episode six, I get to do a cameo. And it's really cool, because that show also is... So just quickly, mm -hmm. Vida is set in... East L.A., Boyle Heights. Yeah, Boyle Heights, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And there are Latinx... Two sisters. Right. Uh -huh, their mom passes away, and they're left with all of her you know, drama, 
and which part of the drama is uh, a building that has a bar underneath that you know could possibly create the money and so they're in season two they're trying to figure out how to they only have six months to make it work or else it gets bought out and so um they i get to be their first musical guest so but it's a portrayal of like it's a, a contemporary portrayal of latin women in los angeles Yes. Okay. Yeah, so and that's what the mm-hmm. buzz is about. Yeah, that and also other than one your of appearance. The, <laughs> right. <laughs> and but it's also it's about a lot of things. It's like the gentrification, the gentrification. Those are two different things. And then you've got uh, LGBTQ life, queer life. One of the main sisters is queer. And so um it's and her like coming to terms with it and like accepting herself and um, so it's a lot of things and there's activism yeah. in it. But anyhow, so the, the season two now is it's on right or no? When's the season two start? It already came out in May, oh. and then it's been out, and I think it just aired its last episode. I think this weekend or so it's going to be this week. Yeah, you can binge watch it. It's been really cool because I get to be this musical narrator for the scene. My song gets to like tell the story of what's going on, and it's a nice full five minutes like nice. of the song and cutting and so to me dub- playing the, live. So this dovetails neatly into your work with Nickelodeon, then, right? Or no? I mean, in that you're involved in television. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then so. Last year, wrote a song for a new bilingual show that Nickelodeon's going to have called Santiago of the Seas. So I got to write some songs for it. Is it it bilingual or Spanish? Bilingual. No, it's bilingual. (laughs) I know, because it's two different things. It's true. It's true. It is. It's two different things. Yeah, it's two different things. Um, So, yeah, that's bilingual, and it's to teach kids Spanish. So it's the people that did Dora the Explorer. It's their new baby. Um, Santiago of the Seas. And and then, yeah. What's the story with Santiago? Santiago of the Seas, they're good pirates. Oh. It's kind of like Caribbean. I know. I know. Good pirates. Yeah. Well, it's the adventure. (laughs) I know. It's the adventure of, uh, it's, the adventure side of being a pirate Uh, you know um and like finding treasure yes pirates that do good but it's been good because i've now you know it's been a nice wide open door now to a whole like going back you know going back to animation yeah so it's been kind of cool you know i've been getting more more requests to write music not just for Nickelodeon, but other entity entities mm-hmm. that are doing animation, and sure. so I think in the future you're going to see a little more of Maria del Pilar and cartoons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, your yeah. life story would make a good one. You are not too far off from what uh, I'm working uh, on, uh, but that's uh, top secret. See. <laughs> uh, uh. To be continued, people. Right on. Yeah. So speaking of to be continued, you yeah. are playing this Wednesday. So I'm doing a show this Wednesday, July 3rd, at Harvard and Stone for a night called Pop Rocks. But then sign up for my newsletter because if you go to my website, mariadpilar.com, right away you'll see the sign up for the newsletter. And that's where I send people ahead of time all my gigs. 
what I'm doing, where you can find merch, where you can buy music, like just everything that's going on. So All right, it, and so that's a little more direct. Yes. So if they want to know and what I'm up to. What's the handle? Maria del Pilar with four R's at the oh. end. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Gotta roll your R's, people. That's fine. Um, yeah. Same with Twitter. Um, Facebook, Maria del Pilar Music. Okay, and if you go to the website, you'll also see when uh, I'll be having an upcoming tour this fall that's going to be up and down California through the Southwest and Texas. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah? All right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is a cool spot. I like this place. Thank you for having me. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, music and artist management company Regime 72, and A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Please check us out at MayfairLA.com, Regime72.com, and of course, A.G. Geiger.com. Thanks for listening.